as I promised, everything is connected. What about what about sick days? What about the economy? And what about workplace protections? And how does it tie in with how we handle the the pandemic and how we handle what's left over of the pandemic? And what about what's coming in our future? How do we repair? Again, everything is tie-in. And there's a new report that points that government and in action on things like decent wages and paid sick days undermining this response you can plan all you want for those rising cases that we're seeing in all those charts but if you don't have people and we heard the premier earlier on say three thousand beds we can handle this when is a bed not an icu it's when there's nobody to take care of you around that bed joining us is dr emmett Aria, palliative care physician, works in hospitals, long-term care, and home care, and has a faculty appointment at the University of Toronto. Dr. Aria, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Arlene. We're at a moment here, and it seems like those who are working in healthcare asking for some clarity. We said we we learned it along the way, but now we're getting into a, like a fork in the road, and we either say, "Hey, everything's okay," we'll dribble and and do whatever we can and keep it in mind to do better next time. But uh, it seems like those in the healthcare would like to send a message again of how all these things are are connected. This new report: decent wages, paid sick days. How are they still? dogging our approach to this? So I think that's a great question, uh, you know, Arlene, and I think I'm, you know, hearing from many people in the public that they're absolutely tired of hearing about the pandemic, even though we're here to talk yeah. about that no, I know. Uh, this afternoon. I know. People are exhausted and yeah. tired, but what we truly need at this point in time is we need protections to protect people, of course, who are most vulnerable at this point in time, and very importantly, to avoid lockdowns, to avoid any type of capacity limits, and also protect our hospitals, um, you know, protect non-COVID care. Those are things that are very important. And one of the lessons, which of course this report outlines in a lot more detail, is that we know that of course COVID-19 is not an equal opportunity virus and certain communities are impacted more, right? And one of those communities are communities of essential workers. So these are people who by definition um, cannot stay at home to do their work. They have to go out and they're the ones who have actually kept our economy going through this pandemic. So people working in healthcare, people working in manufacturing and distributing, people who are responsible for stocking our pharmacy shelves or keeping you know the groceries uh, you know coming to the grocery store people working in transit driving a bus or a taxi or a truck all these roles are very very important and we know that of course your risk is a lot higher if you are a frontline uh, essential worker and we've got to do more to recognize the impact of poor working conditions and precarious work which have actually driven the spread of COVID-19 through this pandemic and yes very important to consider now even now because Ontario is once again in another wave, a sixth wave, hospitalizations are rising, and we can look at these recommendations and actually enact them urgently to try and reduce the spread and transmission of COVID-19. Okay, we know there's going to be doses. It's it's an announcement that makes the government appear that they're stepping forward. But as you say, we're in the sixth wave, we're in it right now. How, as we speak, are these things affecting, in your opinion and your experience, how we're getting out of this right now. I mean, today, what's going on in our healthcare system because 
of these fault lines that is impeding us all doing okay? Yeah, so happy to explain that. Once again, a very important and a really good question. So I'm actually happy to see that the government is uh, talking about vaccinations and fourth doses for older adults. I think that's very important. And I I encourage anyone who's listening to get, you know, whatever dose they're eligible for, whether it's dose number one, two, three, or four, to get that as quickly as possible and uh, sign up for that uh, as soon as they can. Very important. But we simply can't vaccinate at the rate that we need to, at this point in time, to counteract what's happening already in our hospitals. We're already starting to see ICU numbers changing, long-term care outbreaks increase. So we need to do something to reduce our transmission and spread of COVID-19. So I'm one of many people, health workers and scientists who have said that, of course, the mask mandate was removed far too prematurely and it should be reinstituted. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to speak about essential workers and why this issue of paid sick days is so important. It's because at this point in time, during a pandemic, Arlene, It should be normal and it should be completely safe and completely allowed for all essential workers to stay at home when they're sick. We can imagine how that's so important during COVID-19. So a few things to add on to that is that, well, you know, the, you know, the government has only provided temporary paid sick days, only three paid sick days. And this is obviously an inadequate level of protection. And workers have been reliant on this inadequate level of protection for over 460 days. So, of course, the vast majority of workers have already used up those three days. And although uh, we've heard from the, you know, the public, sorry, the chief medical officer of health that five days are enough, many of us who have gotten infected or perhaps are even infected now know that you still feel sick after day five and you may need extra time to stay home from work. So that should be something which should be allowed and in fact encouraged because people are even infectious beyond day five. So of course, if you can stay home when you're feeling ill uh, and you have that right with, of course, more paid sick days, we're calling for 10 permanent paid sick days and in fact 14 during a pandemic, then this will reduce the spread of COVID-19 in workplaces and these communities. And it will also allow you time to get off to go and get a vaccine, which is very important. All right. I want to ask you, you know, they're dropping these in some parts of America. You know, everybody's worried about it here and we see it and we see it play out, but they're dropping it in places of America and they seem to be doing okay. Is this tied in to different responses here? Because you're right. I know people who've had it. They're still testing positive after five days, but many places now are saying after five days, you should be good to go. Is that economics still driving it no matter where it's employed? Yeah, so it may be. I mean, I will say that I'm, of course, a health worker and I've worked with many uh, communities uh, who are like, you know, I've worked most of my career actually in Brampton, where a large number of Mm -hmm. people who live there are immigrants, people are essential workers, once again, people who actually are essential to keep our economy going. So, I mean, I think if we prioritize the health of essential workers, that is something which will obviously be better for our economy. That's really my angle as a frontline health worker. And I would add that, you know, based on this issue of other jurisdictions like the U.S. dropping public health protections mm-hmm. like masking, uh, I would actually say we're not the U.S., right? We have our own unique circumstances here in Ontario. And while I understand people are very, very tired of the pandemic, and of course, health workers are arguably the most tired of this pandemic, Arlene, um, you know, we don't have the same hospital capacity that the US has. In fact, Canada has, you know, very, you know, we have very little hospital beds here in Canada, and neither do we have the health workers. We have actually big nursing shortages in our hospitals as well. So simply to overwhelm the healthcare system again, with another surge of 
COVID-19, you know, just because, uh, you know, we can't wear a mask. I don't think it's the right thing to do. I don't think it's the right thing to compromise non-COVID care or risk that compromise once again. And masking is, you know, probably one of the least intrusive things that we can do, actually. It is true. 30 seconds left. I'm going to throw it to you. Do people care enough right now about all these things? They used to cheer people on in the street and lights in the window. Are they still caring about it? Well, I I think it's hard because, uh, you know, I do understand that a lot of people are very, very tired and there are, of course, mental health impacts from, you know, this situation. But I just wanted to add in my final comments for this interview is that Like I really feel and what a lot of scientists and health workers along with me are advocating for is that, of course, we do not need to go back to March 2020, where we had lockdowns and we were all scared uh, and we were at home. And at the same time, we cannot ignore that we are still in a pandemic and at this time in a sixth wave. So what that means is we need protections to keep society safe and open avoid disruptions to schools and avoid healthcare being overwhelmed. One of those protections, of course, is paid sick days along with other workplace protections and masking. All right. I'd like to thank you so much. Dr. Aria, palliative care physician, works in hospitals, long-term care, home care, faculty appointment with the U of T. Thank you. Take care. Have a great afternoon. Thank you, Arlene. For Jeff MacArthur, I'm Marlene Bynum. Back right after this. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.